Teen Minds Redefined. You're listening to the podcast with Cheryl Pankhurst. Welcome to another episode of Teen Minds Redefined, where we strive to redefine the relationships we have with our teenagers as they grow and get out into this world and we create and help foster these solid, grounded, centered human beings as they are, not as we want them to be. And today, I have a beautiful friend, Kate Toy, joining us. And Kate and I are have something in common because we're in a different podcast together called the Transforming Lives Podcast Panel. And you sit with somebody for six months and say, oh my God, you'd be perfect for my podcast. What the heck was I missing? So I'm going to tell you a little bit about Kate, and then we are going to move into this conversation that I'm so excited about. Kate is a self-compassion coach. She works with women, specifically mamas and entrepreneurs. She supports clients to be more self-compassionate by understanding their own unhealed childhood wounds so they can be present and patient. A mama that can love unconditionally and the entrepreneur that can move past their fears in business, which can look like imposter syndrome, money blocks, fear of being seen. She knows once you totally understand yourself, you can create the life and the business you envision on your terms. I love that bio. Welcome, Kate. Thank you for agreeing to come onto this podcast. Yay, yay, thank you. So happy to be here. Oh my God, and I absolutely love who you serve and what you're doing and radiating your light um, on this earth. So thank you. Thank you. So is there anything you want to add to that before we dive into this? Mm, uh, Just what came so clear when you were speaking. Um, I have three teens right now at home and um, 18, 16, and 13. And it's really interesting to me when I share that with people, when I hear things like, oh, or oh my God, I'm so sorry. Or these comments, right, that, that I'm having the time of my life. I am having the time of my, oh my God, I can, that just brings up my nose starts to prickle and I feel tears behind my eyes. Like, and I loved being pregnant. I've loved every, everything, right? I've loved being pregnant. I've loved the newborn. I've loved seeing somebody learn to walk. Like, oh my God, every little stage and everything is so delicious. Mm-hmm. And teens are fun. Like, like this is the, this is, oh my God, the, the jokes and the just the way they see the world and just this like black or white thinking and no, you know, there's no nuance or gray. And, and, um, and I'm so happy I have done so much of understanding myself and healing my childhood wounds that I get to be present and patient and unconditionally love these humans that are, that are teens and are getting ready to like, burst into the world and that my own can we swear here absolutely yeah that my own shit isn't getting in the way because it did like oh my god it did it did not that long ago it did and um and I'm so grateful and I see how me healing me and understanding me is the biggest thing that I can do for these kids mm-hmm. You know, and for those who, this is the first time listening to my podcast, I spent 28 years working with teenagers. And I can honestly say, 
I'd rather spend time with them than half the adults in my world. (laughs) Because the same is exactly what you're talking about. But also, I love that they call me out on my shit. I love that there's no wall there. There's no, oh, I can't say this. I can't say that. There's just, it's just them. And I want to talk to parents about letting that shine and letting that grow and and really being able to, you know, I go in these mindset groups and, and working on myself and they're all my age. They're all my age where I'm, Oh, now I've done 25 years as white collar, blue collar. Now I figure out where I'm comfortable in my own skin. Now I'm going to make let my light shine. I want kids to be doing this. I want them to skip that 25 years of doing what they're supposed to do and on the path, on the linear, go to college, go to university, blah, blah, blah. I want them, I want parents to see when they're 14 and 15, what's actually lighting them up and foster that. Bring that into the world so that they don't have to skip all these steps and then do all this work that we're doing at 50. <laughs> right, 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 right. I love it. And I and I also want to give a shout out to the people who are doing their work because I see you as a cycle breaker. Yeah. Um, I know that me doing my work has made such an impact on my kids, but also in a way that, yes, I screwed up and yes they have their own journey and yes they're they will need to understand themselves and I'm sure that I've you know cleared a path right they're not starting where I'm starting from Mm -hmm. it's just different because of the work that I've done and when I see parents um I think if you choose to bring children on the planet number one, you chose to bring children on the planet, mm-hmm. right? And, and and I am a self-compassion coach. So really this isn't about judgment, right? This is compassion for everyone. So compassion for myself that I chose to bring people on the planet and compassion for my kids that I chose to bring people on the planet, mm-hmm. right? It, it, it is both. And, um, and I sometimes hear people, um, I mean, I've heard all kinds of things in my in my years on the planet of how people talk to their kids or they should be grateful or they should. And, and what I'm really aware of is that that is all of our own, our own wounds speaking, our old, our old childhood wounds of not being seen, not being heard, our reality, not being validated, our, um, you know, how we had to, and I just shared this in our last, um, you know, how a child has to choose between authenticity or attachment. And so even as adults, one, we can be um, sacrificing our authenticity to stay attached. Mm-hmm. And two, we can be creating environments where we're making our kids choose um, attachment over authenticity. Yeah. So, in the most basic terms, what is self-compassion or self-awareness, awareness of self? Describe that. So I, um, what I would share is I absolutely love self-compassion. And I am so also aware that I could not be as compassionate with myself as I am now 
had I not understood myself from my childhood wounding, if that makes sense. Yes, absolutely. And so the way I work with people, I work in group, I work one-on-one, but really the, um, the modalities that I have learned, I weave them together that, you know, you may come in because you want to be more self-compassionate, but through this process, we're going to go all the way back to understanding what is the block to my self-compassion. So I think self-awareness is something that is scary. Mm-hmm. Um, I see that it's easier that it's everybody else and it's not me. And I would really offer that probably is something that has kept you safe for a very long time. And self-awareness looks like, um, I, I'm also work in the somatic, so I really lean into the knowledge of the body. And so self-awareness looks like this is happening in front of me. I'm aware that there's a tightness in my stomach. I'm aware that I want to get the hell out of here. I'm aware that I have no words. I'm aware that I'm just frozen. And in a in an hour or two, when I'm home, all of these things of what I think I should have said in this minute are going to start flooding in. Mm-hmm. So self-awareness and with absolute, absolute kindness and self-compassion to be curious about yourself, not judging yourself, not shaming yourself, not blaming yourself because you didn't say what would have been the greatest thing to say in that moment. Mm-hmm. just with a curiosity and a loving heart to um, get curious about, wow, that's really interesting that, you know, and, and then also to be curious about, is that the first time that I felt that way? And, you know, odds are, I would say 99.99% that, oh my God, no, that's totally familiar. Whenever this happens, this is what happens. So if we're putting this in the context now of, parent reacting, Mm. the interactions with parents and teens. And I've done, you know, five, six, seven, I don't know, episodes with experts. And, you know, we, we start superficially talking about failure. We talking about disability, or we talking about freedom, whatever it is, it always comes back to, Oh, so that's not for your team to work on right now. If it's triggering you, there's something there. So, Without, and again, no judgment. I, I would never, you know, say to a parent, listen, I don't want to work with you because you got to work with yourself first. But in these conversations, like 20 years of high school, having parents sit at my desk, my head's going, but that's, but that's your issue. The failure is your issue. You don't want them to fail because you look like the failure. You need them to do the linear path of, you know, post-secondary education, all of that. So can you speak to that? Like how, what kind of, how can we talk about the interactions and how that looks to parents and teens who are really conflicting? Mm, That is a great question. And so I would use the word, the word rampant comes to mind. And so rampant in our culture, in our society. Um, And what, and I'm, I'm already feeling like my head is going faster than my mouth. So if I get off on a tangent, I totally want you to pull me back. But what what really needs to be spoken in this space is energy. So even if you're even if you're not saying anything, I can almost guarantee that your energy is saying something. Mm-hmm. 
Your energy is creating some kind of an environment in your house. So, for example, I, I have so many examples from my own life. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, one, a really good one that, um, well, I don't know if it's good, but uh, Christmas, we've just passed, and I would have this expectation of the holidays looking perfect, mm-hmm. like perfect, right? Like there was a story in my head of what the holidays were supposed to look like. And it, um, and I would, my perfectionist part would take over and um, it would work very hard to make sure that things were perfect. And it would look like barking out orders. It could look like um, I'm doing this all alone and no one else is helping me and everybody's coming over for dinner. And it wasn't fun. And I'm very aware as I share the story of what it felt like in my body Mm -hmm. with absolute love and compassion for myself. It was my reality. I'm doing this all alone. This has to be perfect. 30 people are coming over for dinner. Somebody help. I'm Mm -hmm. asking for help. Right. And no one's coming to help. So unbeknownst to me now that I'm, I'm further along on my journey that doesn't happen. However, my teen and I, one of my, my girl Wickham and I were talking about it and, um, and they've all noted how different this Christmas felt. And, um, but she did say, you know, you wonder why we all disappeared and went to our rooms. And here I am, my perfectionist part is running the show because it's trying to create the perfect Christmas for my kids. Yeah. Right? Like, it's hard to be a mama. It is so hard. And it's, is it, it's your perception of what perfect Christmas is for your kids. Of course. Right? Like, (laughs) I don't need this and I don't need this and I don't need this. And, and I, and I get it. I, I go back to, you know, my, when I'm talking to my kids now. So my son's 34 and my daughter's 30. And, you know, we'll get on the, the massive text thread to see who's available for what occasion, blah, 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 blah. And um, so it's like a rubrics cube trying to get everybody together at once, which is fine. I, it's no problem. But I, I know that the kids are like, okay, well, we can try that. Like they really try to please. And we're now at the point, we're aware enough to say, uh-oh, there's the Pankhurst because we are heavy duty people pleasers. That's how I was raised and they were raised. And I think, and it doesn't skip a generation. So they'll tease, you know, about my, my parents being like that, but it doesn't stop here. It didn't skip a generation. And so they're there, you know, I'm trying to, when I, when they say that at first, I'm like, ha that's so cute. But when I sit back, I go, Ooh, that doesn't feel very good at all. This is not how I think, how I want them to feel. I want them to feel like if they can't make it for a certain occasion, fine. I won't be upset. But, but for you know, thirty years, they've their perception is that it's very important for me that they be there for that occasion, and I've really let that go. But they're still kind of stuck in in that. So that's something. We need to, like, I guess I need to prove over and over when they do say no. I don't know how to do that. But but I see what you're saying. Like, 
I want it to be perfect because I want everyone together because I think it's a family thing and blah, blah, blah. And then as soon as they say, oh, well, that's a pancakes thing, I'm like, oh, that means, mom, <laughs> look what you did to us <laughs> in the kindest way, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. And can I ask you a question? Mm-hmm. Is that new-ish that they would say that's a pancakes thing? Yes. So can I offer? You're already healing. Mm. I agree with you there because it the first few times they said it, of course, I I kind of went, it didn't really sink in. I thought, oh, that's cute, huh? That's funny and that's true. And then I sat back and went, oh, but I don't want to raise people pleasers. Right. And also that they're confident, comfortable, connected enough that they can say it. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, that's very true. So Let's talk to parents first about, is there a path they can take? Is there five points we can say? Is there something where you can say, start here for self-compassion? Start here for awareness of self. Yeah, my always, my go-to in the workshops that I do and work that I do is, um, and, and, it, and it is a mindfulness self-compassion exercise, it is to take an audit of what is your internal voice, right? So um, I lead people through quite a, an exercise when we're in workshops together. But what the gist of it is, is, you know, um, really close your eyes, connect with the time that a friend of yours was in need. They were suffering. Maybe their relationship was suffering. Maybe they were trying to get a job and it didn't happen. Some way they were suffering. And then how would you talk to them? What words would you use? What tone of voice would you use? Would you have nonverbal cues like a, would you touch their arm? Just what would it be like? And then when you have that in your mind's eye, open your eyes and spend a few moments and just let that pour out, write it down. Don't skip the step of writing it down. Write it down. Mm -hmm. Then connect with your body, offer yourself breath, When it feels comfortable, close your eyes again and think of a time that you were suffering. And think of a time that you, maybe it was your relationship. Maybe you had a fight with your kids. Maybe you had set a goal for yourself and you weren't getting to it. How did you talk to yourself? What tone of voice did you use? What words did you say? And then when you have that moment of time in your mind's eye, Again, open your eyes and write it down and um, and write it down. Like, don't skip the write it down step. And then look at how do you talk to a friend versus how do you talk to yourself? And then a question that I really got curious about quite a few years ago was, oh, my goodness, Kate, if I talk to anybody like this, how I talk to myself, would they really want to hang out with me? And then yes. the flip, if somebody talked like this to me, how, and I'm sure in my life, somebody has, right? But how, how much am I wanting to be around them? Mm-hmm. And then if I'm, if my, inter- like I had a high perfection, like my perfectionism level was off the charts and my if you can work harder, work harder. And my, the hustle culture I bought totally into and my weeks were like, 
if I could work, I've said this so many times, if I could work 50 hours a week and see what I could produce, oh my God, what's going to happen if I work 60? And then if I could that drive and that, and, and I fed off of it, like a part of me really, if I'm totally honest, fed off of producing mm-hmm. and a part of me really struggled with being present with my kids. Like it really did. And it was easier to work on a project, right. That has set measurables and boxes to tick and this needs to be done than to be present with a messy, glorious, all, all over the place human that is really reflecting back to me a lot of my own stuff that is vibrating through my body and not the best way. Like, what are you going to choose? Yeah. Right? Like I see it as a paint by number or uh, what is going on over here? And I don't really know how to do this. Yeah. And then there's the other part in my brain where I'm just learning to say, oh, I don't know. I don't know. Nope. I had to have an answer for everything for them. I had to have the answer. And it's funny you should say about talking to yourself because I catch myself if I do something goofy or dumb or whatever. And I was like, oh my God, you're such an idiot. And I think I would never say that to somebody. If you dropped a glass, if you would, I would never say that to somebody. But now I catch myself going, oh, okay, don't say that. <laughs> Just don't say that because you would never talk to anybody like that. Uh, Cheryl, I just, I see you're thinking of a question and I just have to share our yes. kids are our greatest teachers all the time. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> if we are open to what they can teach us, it is profound. It is more than any guru, you know, they say uh, the sage on the stage or the guru on the mountain Our kids. I just have a cough, so... Mm-hmm. <laughs> But I'm thinking, I remember my girl was up, like, and she was young at the time. Like, I'm thinking this was seven years ago. So she was probably like six, five. And uh, yeah, and she came downstairs and she had broken something. And um, and I got, oh, no, I broke. Sorry, that's what happened. She was sitting in the kitchen and my husband was in the kitchen doing something and I came downstairs and I had broke her screen that goes on the window. Like I pulled it too hard and I snapped the thing off Mm -hmm. and I came downstairs and I said, Oh God, I'm so annoyed with myself. I broke your screen. Or I said it to Ken, maybe I broke the screen and he was like, Oh, well that really sucks. And honestly in my body, I felt the reaction of like, yeah, I know it sucks. Like, of course. Right. And um, my little girl says, how come you guys yell at kids when they would do something like that? But you don't get mad at each other. Wow. And it's so true, right? Yes. It's we expect perfection. Like we expect kids to be beyond human. Like I, right? I'm sure they break a dish. God, why don't you be more careful? Why have you never not broken a dish? Do you not think that they already feel bad? And and honestly, I know that goes all the way back to our own childhood wounds. Mm-hmm. And childhood wounding, you know, 
I always, I often talk about, and it's Gabor's words, Gabor Mate, that we're all on the spectrum of trauma, mm-hmm. right? We're all on the spectrum of trauma. And I think that sometimes, or, and I, I know society is changing. However, um, how we're wounded as children is very different from what we think wounding of children looks like. Say more. Yeah. So when, you know, when um, I meet people for the first, like when we start to get together to talk about working together or we'll say things like, you know, I really see, because I share a lot about what unhealed childhood wounding looks like in adulthood, you Mm -hmm. know, pleasing, not having boundaries, uh, can't say no, um, maybe dating a narcissist, like those things, mm-hmm. they can really relate to that. But they will say things like, I wasn't hit. We had a good family. I had a great childhood. Right. So it doesn't make sense to me that you're saying this is what it looks like when I know this was my childhood. Yeah. But wounding of children is not being seen, not being heard in your reality, not being validated. Mm-hmm. So what that looks like is a child that um, is responsible or is gets the perception they're responsible for the happiness of their parents. Mm-hmm. So, so for example, come and do this. Don't make mommy sad. Come and do this. Don't make mommy upset. That just gives me like yeah chills down my body mm-hmm. and I mean if you even just look at the size difference of a small child and an adult yeah. right? if we really take that into consideration and then we think of this burden that this adult is putting on this tiny child mm-hmm. you are responsible for my happiness and then we look in adulthood how many times I think I'm responsible for the people in my world's happiness. You're telling me why I think that I have to make Christmas perfect? Wow. So if we know, so we, we recognize now, okay, I, I have stuff to heal. And very aware that I have imprinted this into my kids. So we start with the practice. How do we unimprint this in our kids? Mm-hmm. And I, you've probably heard this in your world of, of when you worked in the dis, in the school system. And I know I sure have heard this. Kids are more resilient than you think. Oh, I, you know what? Resilient for me is a four-letter word. I can't handle right. it. I can't handle it. Right. Oh my goodness. I I hear this. Uh, Kids are more resilient than you think. And I say, well, then why do we have so many adults that are needing so much support? Mm -hmm. Right. We, we may appear that we, oh my God, kids may definitely appear more resilient and we can always heal. We are resilient beings because we can always heal. Mm -hmm. And What's really profound, and I, I, I don't know that there's, I don't have a lot of, I don't have data behind it, but what I do know is I have three humans in my home who, as I'm progressing on my healing journey, it has not only rippled out to them, it has rippled out to 
because my understanding is we heal for our ancestors mm-hmm. and we heal for future generations. And, and that's how our healing ripples through. So um, my girl, for a lot of years, um, had a stomach issue. And would we we'd do every test you could imagine, right? We would do the, um, uh, maybe not a lot of years, but definitely two to three. Mm-hmm. And we'd, do, we'd go to the doctors, we'd get the, she'd drink the stuff and get the scans, she'd do the te- like all the things right mm-hmm. and as and I had stomach issues my whole life as a small child like as a kid too like I remember that I remember around 13 14 15 stomach mm-hmm. and um and as I did more and more of my own healing I noticed her less and less speaking of her stomach and um she hasn't mentioned her stomach in years wow and when we track the stomach, like through somatic experiencing, which is Peter Levine's work, yeah, what lives in the stomach is family and sexual issues. So it looks like childhood conditioning, violation of body or personal space, something done to us or something taken from us without our permission. It can look like um, molestation, abuse, rape, impotency, or frigidity. So when we track what they know and where it lives in our body, mm-hmm. it gives us such a different, like, because, and Bessel van der Kolk, you might know his work, like, the body keeps the score. Yes. And that's <laughs> right. That all our sicknesses come from things that we've suppressed. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I heard this beautiful thing the other day, and I, I can't remember who had said it, but he said, we don't say, I have a body. We say, I am a body. And I think all the time we say, like, I have a body, right? yeah. but I am a body. I am not just what's above my neck. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and another thing that I really, and I don't mean this flippantly, and I'm not, this isn't an excuse to say, you know, everybody has their own journey or bad things can happen to people and God gave them that. To, like, I just, I, I don't prescribe yeah. to that or subscribe to that, but what I what I really um, think is important as well is if you are on your healing and there's a lot of grief in your healing journey. Like, I think that's really important. Mm-hmm. You'll, you'll grieve for what could have been for yourself as this person, yeah. right? You'll grieve for the childhood that you maybe visualized you had or the childhood you wish you had, or there's grief there. There just is. Mm-hmm. There can be grief for, oh, I really screwed my kids up. Had, why hadn't I known this earlier if I had only known? Yeah. And, and I really just want to encourage people who are on the healing journey. And if you haven't p- taken that turn yet, that too does pass. That's where the self-compassion comes. That too does pass. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I really want to share, you know, sometimes we look at our past with the eyes we have now. Oh, that's such a good point. That's such a good point. Right? There's the old term we do with what we know. That's right. And I honestly, and when we know better, we do better. Yes, yes. And I honestly believe that when you really go back and sit with Cheryl, and another activity that I do with my clients is we go back and we look at 
um, because this was a beautiful gift that was just kind of transmitted to me and I've shared it with people. I went back to each stage in my life and sat with Kate. Mm. You know, I sat with 11 year old Kate and I just looked in her eyes. Like I just really looked in her eyes and said, you know, I really love you. I get you're doing the best you can with what you have. And I get it. And then, and then I spread even beyond to that where I, could be, you know, in the awareness of, and sometimes I've judged the way my parents parented me with the eyes that I have now. Mm-hmm. And oh my God, I mean, what was normal in the 70s and 80s, it was normal, right? And and Gabor's book, you know, The Myth of Normal, I love it because it's what is natural isn't normal. And society deems what is normal. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times it's not natural or healthy. Yeah, and it doesn't even feel good. Right. However, yet, it's a norm. Yeah. Right? Spanking your kids once mm-hmm. upon a time was the norm. And if you didn't do it, for sure there was judgment. Mm. And if you had your own wounding and you were, a, you you know, you needed to, you couldn't be authentic because you were trying to stay attached to your people. Like if your parents are telling you to hit that kid and I'm, I'm a grown adult, but when my parents are saying that, I feel like I'm five years old. Mm-hmm. Chances are you're not working from the greatest good and also from your authentic self. Yeah. I know my, my grandmother used to use a wooden spoon on the kids. And so she babysat a bunch of kids and I would just go to be babysat, but I wasn't there regularly, but I would see this and I would just like hide and she never did it with me I was an angel of course (laughs) I was motivated but I remember when I was about seven I got the first and only spanking I'd ever had and I still know what I was wearing I still know where it was I still know how I felt and and again this is my mom knew what she knew so it's not right judging her but the impact of that, the impact of, of the handful of different conversations that I know have caused something is so vivid. And I feel like if you sit with it, like if, if you as a parent sat with it and really sat with it, and again, and doing exactly what you're talking about, go back to each stage and each age, and you sat with it, it would probably bring so much, like, I'm going to do this now because I need to heal from that. But, but when I think that of the impact that had, I could never do it. I could never lay my hands on my kids because of what I know now through my eyes, of course. So, oh, this is so, oh my goodness. It is so bizarre though, isn't it? Like when you really can take a step beyond and look at hitting your kid like could you imagine if I dropped a container and my husband whipped me like could you like I know we know other people's reality but I can't even yeah and we know what would happen right and also when you um I mean I had been in an abusive relationship but also I have the efficacy to leave as an adult Mm -hmm. Right. These children. And this may have been your your past. Like this may have been your past that spankings were part of. And I mean, even the word 
right? It's not called hitting or beating my kid. It's called spanking. Yeah. Because I mean, what sounds like exactly. Exactly. And then I think of this little being. So just to get curious, like if it's a safe space for you to get curious about yourself, Mm -hmm. that, like, what would that be like? That power dynamic, being fearful in your home, not knowing if, right? Like, uh, and I work with people who don't know, like some days it was a good day. Some days it was a bad day. I don't know what could have set somebody off. I don't, this, sometimes this was okay. Sometimes it wasn't. So Mm -hmm. I mean, if you are were born into a home that you are always on high alert, your system is still on high alert. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. And to be comfortable, odds are good you're going to create a world that you have to be on high alert because that's what your system knows. Yes, yeah. always in survival mode. So to be fortunate with yourself. Mm-hmm. You really, you made me feel an awful lot of hope when you said when you work on yourself it just kind of ripples out so it's not like we have to say this overwhelming thing you need to do parents you need to do this and you need to do the thing you have to sit kids down you have to heal your kids it's it's just this general ripple out and that feels really good because it feels like you're just only responsible for yourself Always. You're not, right? You're not responsible for, does that make sense? Yeah. And I think that could get blurred, right? Like, of course, you're responsible for feeding your kids, putting the house over Ooh. there, right? Yes. The space safe. Yeah. But really, like I, every day, I'm responsible for me, mm-hmm. right? And that's twofold. And and I talk about the, um, in workshops that I do, I talk about the, you know, the double-ended shit stick, I call it, right? It's shitty, what happened to us mm-hmm. and when we first start on our healing journey or even a few years in, or maybe even 20 years in there can, you know, the other end of the shitty stick is it's not my fault. What happened to me? And the other end is, but it's my responsibility to heal. Yeah. And that can feel like that's not fair. But what I really want to say to anybody that is on their healing journey is would you really want it any other way? Would you want the people who took you apart? Would you want, if I had to wait for an apology, I would still be waiting. Mm-hmm. Right? I, I, my efficacy is in I'm responsible for my healing. I don't have to wait for anybody yeah. to say anything. I get to heal. And I, too, have so much hope, Cheryl. Like, I have so much. There's so many healing modalities in our world now. Mm-hmm. It's so common to hear. Like, um, I, it seems hard for me to recall, but I do remember a time that there was stigma around getting support, mm-hmm. mental health support, mental wellness, like really big stigma. Or, you know, um, I'm not that effed up. Right. Like that you have to, as opposed to, oh my God, this is good internal work and this is loving work. And this is work that allows me to understand myself. And uh, this also is work that clears out the junk and leaves spaciousness for your brilliance to radiate out of you. And um, I know from doing my work, I can honestly say my mind is silent most of the day, unless I am an intentionally in creative mode or speaking mode or mm-hmm. but still when I check in my mind isn't chattering right I'm <laughs> present I'm present I think that's yes. what presence is yeah and um 
And believe me, I was one that my mind would wake me up at, you know, 3 Mm a.m. Why did you say this? Why didn't you say that? Do you think they thought this when you said that? What if they think that you meant this when you said this? Why did you do this? Why didn't you do that? Mm -hmm. Like nonstop. And the more I understand myself, the less that, because our brain isn't us either. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, right. These are the conversations that go on, but it's not here. Right. Yeah. And I always ask people, you know, if you think you are your thoughts, then who's hearing them? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I think it just feels, it feels, I feel like it's manageable. I feel like it's doable for people to really look at this. And it's not this big mountain you have to climb. It's just take one step and see how it feels. And then take one more step and see how it feels. And knowing that the end result or the process is again, like you said, that ripple effect Um, because of the energy, because of the vibe, you know, you are not just connected by an umbilical cord to your children. There's so much more there. So I think, and for them to see it, like as older adults, like, you know, teenagers to, for them to see you doing the work. Right. Even if it's just through osmosis, they see you doing the work. They're, they're and they see the change. They see. They know you're not. We just talked about this an hour ago. You're responding. You're not reacting. You're taking the pause. You're taking the breath. When they start seeing that, it doesn't mean they have to do exactly what you're doing or even understand what you're doing, but they still see it. Right. And, and, and I would also offer honor your timeline honor their timeline, you know, and it can be that. And and another thing that was really um, a shift for me, and I'd love to share this, is that there was, and I do a lot of parts work, which is like internal family systems work, and I love this work of understanding our parts, but I I had the awareness, um, I don't know, a couple years ago that there was a part of me that was really resentful that my kids didn't have it bad so that they could see how like let me redo that I this part was really resentful that my kids didn't have the experiences that I had so that they could see how different their experiences are Mm -hmm. and but there's other parts of me that were like Keith this is why you work so hard so that they never have those experiences that you had right so there's this push and pull dynamic of when the resentful part and really what I would love to share with people is just, if it's possible, be with the resentful part, sit with it, hear what it has to say. Don't suppress it. Don't shut it down. Mm-hmm. It's safe for you to just hear what it wants to say because 100% it's caring about you and loving you. And it's trying however it can to support you and keep you safe. Right. This part mm-hmm. was was acknowledging you've done all this work. Yeah. And um, yeah. And there was something else that I wanted to. Uh, oh, oh yeah. When you said it is little micro bites and you can take small steps and trust your timeline. And what I would also share is I'm not quite sure who has said this. I think it could be Gabo, but it's that, you know, we were wounded in relationship. So it's in relationship that we heal. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to do this work alone. There's so many healing modalities out there. And another thing that I share with people is you get to pick who you work with. Mm -hmm. All, 
healers are not created the same. Mm -hmm. Healers have different energy, different resonance. Some will work for your system. Some won't. Trust yourself. Yeah. And you would know in the first 10 minutes. I mean, I've I've gone through even Zooms with a therapist going, "Mm, nope, there's no energy here. And lose the people pleaser. You don't have to use those people. That's right. (laughs) You don't have to make them feel bad. That's the that's the whole deal. So this this is this is really good. All right. Final advice for parents from you. Mm. Mm. What do you want to send? What message can we send off with parents? And we'll talk about working with you. We'll talk about all of that. Yeah, no, and because I because there is an extension of that, right? But I mean Right now, somebody's listening. They're going, "Okay, this is all great conversation, but what can I do tomorrow? What can I? What can I say? How can I? You know, mm-hmm. what I would love to offer, and I'd never give advice. So, what I would love to do is give an offer. Mm-hmm. Is um, if you have a picture of yourself when you were little, find it. Mm, that just brings tears to me. Look at how small you are. Look at how beautiful you are. Mm -hmm. Look at how perfect you are. And know that that part is still in you. And when you have reactions or when you feel lack of better word triggered or when your words are caught in your throat, it's this tiny little wee one that is trying to keep the whole system safe. And you can see how small he or she is. And when you look at that picture, if it's possible to connect with your heart and let that one know how loved they are. Yeah. That's that's really powerful. I I can feel that everywhere and I can it's funny when you say, like, when we feel it in our body, you know, there's so much I feel in mm-hmm. my throat, which me, and it goes back to not saying how I really feel, not being able to have a voice, not, and, and, yeah, and that's where it sticks. Like, it's so clear to me now, now. Yeah. That's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you so much, Kate. I love this conversation and I, I hate respecting time because I think we could do this for another four hours. <laughs> but um, where can we find you? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I I have a website. It's just katetoy.com. And um, actually what I would love to share is I have a um, a newsletter that's going to be starting coming out because I've had people ask about where can we yeah. hear from you. And so... Um, there will be an offer actually it's for a seven step reset and it's how to go from reactive to responsive. So you'll get that little um, welcome when you join my uh, newsletter. And then really my newsletter is just, you know, once a week to pop in. I love sharing resources. Oh my God. You know, I love books. I love (laughs) podcasts. I love. And so really, I just see this as a little um, gift of self-awareness, self-compassion. And really, I just want to share and spread the love. 
And so um, I would uh, be honored if people would allow me to pop into their inbox to share and spread the love. And then I'm on all the places, Facebook, uh, Kate Toy Self-Compassion Coach, LinkedIn, Kate Toy Self-Compassion Coach, Instagram. Um, I'm on a podcast with Cheryl called Transforming Lives, which I absolutely <laughs> love. And then I have my own podcast that has not been given the love that it needs. And that is my 2024. And it's called BS We Women Tell Ourselves. Yeah, I love that. Love the name of that. <laughs> I would listen to it just because of the name. I'm going to ask really, one more question. Yeah. And I, I really want to share, so, sorry, I just really want to share it. The BS We Tell Ourselves isn't a place of shame or blame. It's mm-hmm. a place of you've got people got your back. It's community. I love it. If you could recommend one book to start with. Oh my goodness. Um, That is a hard task for me to recommend one book, but um, you know, Alice, oh, you know what actually I would love to recommend is uh, Thich Nhat Hanh, Reconciliation, Healing the Inner Child. Okay. We will put that in the show notes too, because I'm like you, I'm a big reader. And when somebody suggests a book, I'm like, yes, I'm on it. I'm on it. That's great. Uh, so sorry, I have to do another that I think would give you tons of insight into yourself as well. And it's called, it's Daniel, um, Dan Siegel's, but I think it's Daniel on the book, um, Parenting from Within. Okay. Beautiful. Excellent. Thank you so much, my love. You're beautiful. I love your soul. I love your heart. Did a woman. And I appreciate everything about you. I will see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Teen Minds Redefined. And thanks for stopping by. Share with anybody you think would be really appreciate this. This is how this is how we get the word out. And this is how we help the world. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Teen Minds Redefined with Cheryl Pankhurst. New episodes out every Wednesday. Thanks for stopping by.